more than a pleasure to have with us the entire hour, Scott and Paul. Scott is president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. The AAM is a partnership established by some of America's leading manufacturers and the United Steelworkers Union. And for years now, Scott and the AAM have worked to make American manufacturing a top-of-mind issue for voters and our national leaders through effective advocacy, innovative research, and a savvy PR strategy. More than a pleasure to have back on the show, Scott N. Paul. Thanks, Scott, for joining us. Good afternoon, and happy Monday. Hey, Leslie, happy Monday. Right back at you. <laughs> you know, we are in, uh, a lot of people would say March Madness, and we're not talking football. We're talking politics. And whether left or right, and whether it is used to champion people to vote for them or to make it look like their opponent on the left or opponents on the right aren't listening to the American people, uh, people are talking about jobs, people are talking about trades, and specifically candidates are talking about jobs and are talking about trades. I was watching earlier today a great video, which you star in, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're awesome. Uh, you, you know, and I have to tell you, Scott, uh, a lot of people wonder why are so many people gravitating toward uh, Trump, and especially a component of union voters, union members, who normally would be championing Democrats, because Democrats seem to champion workers' rights, and certainly uh, seem, you know, better with regard to uh, trade and other areas that affect the working man and woman, especially in sectors like manufacturing. But you say in this election cycle, the person out there who is talking the most, who is talking the most about jobs, the most about trade, and could be the reason so many blue-collar workers especially gravitate toward this individual, and that individual is Donald Trump, Correct. Uh, yes, I mean he's he's captured uh, a lot of the attention, certainly of the media, as you know, Leslie. Um, uh, and you know, I just add that you know this the, the, what has really gelled here, in addition to Trump, is just this idea of political insurgencies, and you see that with Bernie Sanders uh, as, as well. And um, one of the things that they have in common is this kind of anti-establishment. Um, uh, view, but also very critical of kind of what the establishment has done on economic policy to working people. Uh, some of that has to do with trade agreements, some has to do with opening up trade with China, how Wall Street uh, relates to the economy and what have you. Uh, but you get a sense that it's out there, and it's, you know, obviously varying degrees in every state, um, but it's, uh, they've obviously both uh, really uh, uh, kind of struck a nerve with a lot of uh, middle-class Americans who feel really left behind um, and forgotten uh, in our economy today. Our, you know, American Alliance for Manufacturing, your organization, the Alliance for American Manufacturing, excuse me, AAM, is a nonpartisan organization. And there was a great piece that was written by Matthew McCullen for you guys and with you guys at the AAM entitled Trump Trade and the Fine Details. Um, a couple of things. One, we all know those Make America Great hats and T-shirts, some of which are made in China or are made in Mexico. Um, Donald Trump is saying one thing, but is he and has he been as a businessman and, a, and somebody who decides where manufacturing takes place, who does it, and that type of thing. 
is he also guilty of uh, the ex, you know, the export-import deficit that hurt American workers and hurt the manufacturing sector specifically? And if so, his voters don't or supporters don't seem to care. Yeah, well, right. I mean, like most charges, the normal rule of politics doesn't seem to apply to Donald Trump, does it, Leslie, where you can say almost anything and have no consequences. You can flip-flop, have no consequences. You can be a complete hypocrite on something, have no consequences. You can be incredibly bigoted and and offensive, and it doesn't seem like it it moves his votes all that much. And so... um, why, you know, I guess why wouldn't it apply to, um, to, to to some of his views on outsourcing and trade? And it's absolutely true. I mean, keep in mind, you know, he's a real estate developer. I mean, that's his, you know, he, he has an entertainment kind of thing going on as well. But he's 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 not a manufacturer, and to the extent that he has called on manufacturing, uh, he he outsourced his clothing lines uh, the, the, to uh, China. And to Mexico, I would I would point out that most of his campaign swag is made in the United States, but that's true of everybody, just about. So, right. uh, but, so, so, so he he is he is kind of in line with everybody else there. It doesn't make him special at all. It just makes him kind of normal uh, as as a politician. And, and the other thing, and this this came up in the in the Republican debate, um, uh, just you know within the last week uh, that they had in Detroit. And uh, the issue of manufacturing and trade came up, and Trump, uh, you know, wasn't, wouldn't flat out say that, you know, that he'd go back and make all of his clothing uh, in the United States. Uh, and he kind of blamed the advantage that China has, you know, on currency and other things. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of a firm believer that you've got to practice what you preach. And it, it says a lot about you. And so, you know, we, we, we certainly believe that at, 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 at AAM. Um, but, but again, Leslie, I don't, I don't know that it's cost Trump any support because his supporters seem to uh, just excuse away uh, virtually anything that he says uh, or that he does. Now, you guys don't care, really, who wins the presidency, but not totally. Obviously, you hope that somebody wins the presidency that is going to outline and be able to put forth legislatively a policy plan to create more middle-income manufacturing sector jobs in the United States. And if a candidate puts something forth like that, you guys would at least say, okay, you got our attention. Has anybody had your attention with specifics, including Donald Trump? Because I know that's your at AAM's approach to all the candidates this year. Um, and, uh, you, know, d- you know, Donald Trump has discussed American trade policy and made it a center pillar of his campaign. But does he have any specifics? Because I think that I would think that would be in the long run problematic for Donald Trump in a general election and certainly problematic for people working in the manufacturing sector. Yeah, yeah, right. And that that's a really good question is that what what's the policy? How do you get from point A to point B other than just, you know, a, a lot a lot of hyperbole and um uh, and, and really blustery rhetoric, uh, which is what we've gotten so far. So he does have on his website uh, a little thing on trade, in particular with China. He says he opposes the Trans-Pacific Partnership, um, which, again, doesn't make him unusual. Uh, uh, Hillary Clinton says she opposes it in its current form. 
Bernie Sanders says he opposes it as well. I would point out Ted Cruz says he he opposes it not on principle, but just because uh, it's President Obama who did it. So it has nothing to do with the with the particulars of it. So it doesn't. Uh, so so that, that's something I guess specific that he is not for. Uh, when it comes to, to China, he says he would designate China's current manipulator, uh, and that he would also find a way to uh, put tariffs on companies that have that have moved jobs overseas, which is a little trickier to do under under our trade laws. But that's that's the extent of of what he's talked about. Other than Leslie, and I know you've heard this before. You know, he's just a very great businessman, and he knows how to talk to <laughs> to, to to people to get a deal done. And and that's 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 yep. what he's resting his his laurels on right now. Um, there are other candidates who have put out really detailed manufacturing plans. Um, uh, both on the Republican side and on the Democratic side, but of course, you know they're not they're not getting near the nearly the attention that, that Trump has um, because the the way in which he he has a tendency to to talk about things. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with our great guest Scott and Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, the AAM. When we come back, but keep in mind you can ask your questions, share your opinions, and make comments. Uh, this is your show, and Scott is here for you. We'd love to hear from you at 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Quick break. Check out AmericanManufacturing.org. That's the website for the AAM. And follow Scott on Twitter at ScottPaulAAM. Back after this. Leslie Marshall, the simple truth in a complicated world. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. Democracy and Talk Radio. He is Scott and Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, the AAM. Follow Scott on Twitter at ScottPaulAAM, their website, AmericanManufacturing.org. And we're talking about the candidates. Who's talking about manufacturing? Who's talking about jobs? Who's talking about trade? Well, Donald Trump is, but he does not have specifics. Scott, specifics matter to you. Specifics matter to those in the manufacturing sector. Um, are you surprised that the American voter doesn't want, especially with regard to manufacturing, which directly can create and affect jobs, whether positive or negative, uh, in the United States, depending on what somebody's specifics end up being? Are you surprised people don't require more of that from him? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a really good question, and I I don't know that Trump uh, puts himself of many in front of many situations where he's pressed. On things, um, yeah. and, and when and when he does, he tends to respond with an insult or, or 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 an attack, or just tell people, you know, you know, some adjective that describes himself, like I'll I'll be the best jobs president you've ever seen. Um, right. And and unfortunately, and this I guess this is the part that, that's deeply frustrating to me. 
is, is that I mean there, there there should be a conversation about our economy and and the unemployment rate is is low. You know, a lot of sectors have covered for, recovered from the recession, but there are still hot hundreds, if not thousands, of communities around the country who are a little more dependent on manufacturing than others uh, that have not uh, rec- recovered. Uh, and the candidates are there right now in Michigan, and then. Uh, uh, heading into Ohio uh, a- after the Michigan primary uh, tomorrow, and um, and I think they deserve better. And this is the I, I guess this is part of my frustration is that you know typically during uh, an election you'll have candidates that will want to barnstorm through an industrial state. Uh, they love to put on the hard hat. They love to go to the factory. They love to have the, fa- the, the, the workers and the flag right behind them, and they love to say great things about Made in America. Uh, but when push comes to shove, uh, it seems like it's always uh, Wall Street uh, that, that's, that's winning out. Uh, and I think that's deeply frustrating uh, to, to a lot of voters. And so I, I think one of our challenges is, not only to get folks to say the right things, I think that's kind of the easy part. I think that a lot of a lot of politicians will say just about anything to get elected. Key is also to get them to do the right thing, uh, and, and that's uh, that's harder. That involves tough choices. That say that involves saying no to folks. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I you got to look at their track record uh, and what they've accomplished, uh, and really press them on it. And so I wish there were more opportunities. Uh, to talk about it, I am glad that a lot of the election activities taking place uh, in some of these, uh, you know, the, in the heartland of America right now, uh, where some of these issues can be fleshed out a little bit. In an interview on Fox News Channel with Bill O'Reilly, and you know I'm a Fox News contributor, and I've been on uh, Bill, you know, show uh, nearly weekly, you know, for years, and definitely once or twice a month, um, if not every week. He said that he doesn't think a trade war is going to happen, and I, I want to um, uh, mention in a piece from Politico. Trump's promise to strong-arm China into a negotiation to improve trade terms for the United States taps into the economic anxiety of many Americans concerned about the loss of manufacturing jobs and the country's huge trade deficit with China. But experts reject his assertion that yuan is currently undervalued and worries plan to slap hefty duties on Chinese exports would set off a damaging trade war. On O'Reilly, he said, people don't understand and are dealing with China. We have the cards. They don't have the cards. We have the cards because they need our economy. Do you agree with that, A? And B, do you feel if he followed through on his proposals, it would start a trade war, and not just with China, but also with his rhetoric uh, with regard to Mexico, the wall, and then paying for it, that that could be a trade war with that country as well? That's a great question, Leslie, and I actually find myself shocked to be agreeing with Bill O'Reilly right now, where I, you know, I, I, I don't think that this re- results in a trade war. Um, I do think that, that we have a lot of the economic leverage. I mean, for every basically for every dollar worth of exports we're sending to China, we're getting about five bucks uh, of imports coming into our economy. That's incredibly unbalanced, and it just shouldn't be that way because we have great workers, we have great companies, we have a lot of great ingenuity here, but what we don't have is, is a lot of great economic or trade policy. Right now, and so um, I, I do. I do think that it's possible. You know, an interesting thing, Leslie. You know, uh, uh, Donald Trump proposed like a 45 percent tariff on Chinese goods, and then you know all these Wall Street analysts kind of went went crazy, and, and Trump appears to have kind of backed off of that now, although he's on tape saying it. And then what people are like last week, President Obama put 266 percent tariffs on certain types of of steel coming from China. 
uh, because it, 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 that's how uh, that's how much overcapacity there is in China. Uh, that's how that's how much they're they're skewing the marketplace. And so we're in a trade war right now. We just happen to be losing it. Uh, if we actually defend our rights, I think that we can create a lot of jobs here. You know, interestingly, um, trade and the trade policy, critiques of American trade policy keep coming up. Um, we saw last night Bernie Sanders rip into Hillary Clinton uh, on trade. There are people that say, well, wait a minute, you were in favor of TPP and you're not now. Um, and then over on the right, really the Donald, like you say, not only does he have the biggest and loudest mouth, but he is the biggest and the loudest uh, on trade. Um, why do you think that these trade policies, and specifically bad trade policies, are really important to the American people, even more so now in 2016. And I ask that because when we look to the past and trade deals like NAFTA, that goes back to the early 90s. And we've had a few elections in between then where trade, manufacturing, job creation were not top of mind for every candidate, even for candidates who won. Yeah, Leslie, I just look, I think it's all about jobs and I think it's all about rebuilding the the middle class. And I think the, those are two things that the Democrats, independents and Republicans can get behind. And the challenge that we have right now is that our economy seems to be increasingly uneven. That the you know, those folks who are who are well off or are doing perfectly fine, uh, but but those folks who are in this kind of global competition are being left behind. So I'm glad this debate has taken place, but we do need solutions, Leslie. I agree. Let's uh, take a quick break. That's our shortest segment. Back with Scott Paul from the AAM. Join us. Leslie Marshall, when the truth matters. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. Democracy and Talk Radio. We are glad and proud to have Scott and Paul, President of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, joining us today. He is a regular member of our great lineup of panelists who know different areas of uh, not just trade and jobs, which is Scott's area, uh, but of all the issues that matter to Americans, and even more so when we have a heightened awareness of what we have and what we need and who the have and have not are in this election year. Scott and Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. As well. Scott, thanks for holding. Welcome back. Um, we had a call we were going to take, but he had bad, bad language, so we're going to skip that because we don't want the FCC to be angry. And uh, keep in mind, folks, we are adults. I don't run a daycare center. Let's keep the language uh, <laughs> polite and professional. Uh, Scott, thanks for holding. Uh, welcome back. Let, let's uh, Going back to the candidates, last election cycle, or at least, you know, years ago, four years ago, when we had a presidential election, the state of Michigan had very low voter turnout. However, all of the stuff coming out of the great state of Michigan is showing that's going to be very different, both on Democrat on the left and Republican on the right voters this time around, that they're expecting a higher than normal and certainly higher than last uh, primary season voter turnout. Michigan, perhaps this year, will be more important in a presidential primary than ever uh, before. And, of course, presidential candidates 
fled to the state of Michigan. They want, even though it's not winner-takes-all state, they split up, split up the delegates. They want to get as many delegates from the state of Michigan. But they like to talk about what happened in Michigan, what's happening in Michigan. We've heard in uh, regard to the auto industry, Hillary Clinton talk about President Obama bailing them out. And then, of course, you've got to tie trade deals to the auto industry. First of all, talk to us about why Michigan is so important, because this is an important state, especially this time around, and especially when you're talking about jobs, which are numero uno under the umbrella of the, the economy in all voters' minds regardless and desires, regardless of their ideology. You're absolutely right, and it is a Michigan, uh, you know, the last couple of elections has been trending Democratic in the, uh, in, in the, in the general election, but it is the, the home of that famous, uh, rare, and elusive uh, type of voter known as the Reagan Democrat, right? Yeah. I mean, which was popularized back in the 1980s, and I'm, I'm very familiar with, because I did a lot of uh, policy and political work uh, for, for a, a great Michigan member of Congress uh, back in the 1990s uh, who represented uh, a lot of these Reagan Democrats, and they tend to be uh, culturally kind of conservative. There's a, there's a lot of Catholic voters, uh, but uh, economically very populist uh, and, and very impacted um, by jobs moving overseas and, and by the fortunes of the auto sector. Uh, and so you have a situation where, you know, if you have a, a party, uh, the Republican Party, that for years has had this kind of free trade orthodoxy, uh, that's hurt it. In Michigan, no, there's no question about it that that since the time of Reagan, uh, that 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 support has been shifting back uh, to the Democrats, and so to have a disruptor come in, you know, someone like Donald Trump who uh, wants wants to stand that on its head a little bit, or at least says he does, uh, that's that's obviously going to have a very significant impact, and then on the, on the Democratic side. Uh, and and you saw this uh, uh, with, with the debate uh, last night, where um, uh, where Senator Sanders aggressively went after uh, Secretary Clinton on on some of the trade issues because you know a lot of these auto workers uh, feel like um, they uh, lost their jobs as a result of of NAFTA, uh, which uh, Bill Clinton. Uh, negotiated, uh, and, and that they lost a lot of jobs because of, of China, uh, which, again, Bill Clinton uh, negotiated, uh, and uh, that they may lose some more jobs because of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, because it includes Japan. Uh, and that's, that's an agreement that, 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 that a Democratic president uh, has put forward. Uh, and so you see this, this dissonance. You know, on the one hand, they don't trust the Republicans because uh, they've been the party of free trade for a very long time. On the other hand, uh, they've got to deal with the, the legacy of, of, of Bill Clinton here, uh, and, and also of, of, of Obama, who, who rescued the auto industry and did a great right. thing by that. I think one, one right. of the boldest moves of his presidency. Uh, but on the other hand, has this uh, this Trans-Pacific Partnership hanging out there uh, that, that's very tough. Uh, the when we look at the candidates, let's start with the left because there's so few. <laughs> um, Hillary Clinton laid out her vision for jobs and the economy at a Detroit manufacturing company. Former Governor Jennifer Granholm from Michigan praised her plan and is supporting uh, Hillary Clinton. Um, and, uh, you know, so first of all, with regard to the vision that the Secretary of State Clinton has for jobs and the economy and has laid out, how do you folks feel at 8 a.m.? 
with regard to her vision, because obviously a vision can only become a plan is if you, as she says, can sell it. And we have a, you know, we definitely have a Republican-controlled Congress right now. Hopefully that will change in the next election, that I as a Democrat say. But I think we will still have a House divided, even if the Democrats succeed in regaining control of the Senate. Yes, I, I was glad that, uh, that that Secretary Clinton went to Detroit and, and had this very detailed uh, conversation about manufacturing. Uh, and again, the kind of reiterated her opposition to the Trans-Pacific Partnership as it stands now. Uh, she, she tackled uh, getting tougher with China on trade. Uh, and and she offered a couple of, of of newer elements, which I thought were really interesting. One is to claw back or to take back the tax breaks that that companies have received uh, when they move jobs overseas. And you have this recent case in Indiana of of carrier that 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 announced it's going to move its jobs to Mexico, and there were some state tax incentives, and and the the state of Indiana. Uh, led by a Republican governor, is going to force Carrier to pay those back. Uh, but there's also obviously some federal tax benefits that these companies derive by manufacturing uh, in the United States uh, that, that, that lowers their, their tax level here. Uh, and and there, I think the Secretary Clinton's looking at some ways uh, to get some of those tax breaks uh, back, uh, you know, and, and to keep that money uh, in the community. Uh, yeah, I'd love to keep the jobs there, too, but I think that's a good start. And I would just finally say that I think it's really important to have national political figures recognize the value of these factory jobs. I mean, a lot of people don't have them anymore. There's, there's you know, maybe 7% of the population uh, is in, works in manufacturing now. It's about 12% of our economy. And so to, to the 80-some percent who, who don't you know, have a direct stake in manufacturing. You have to understand why it's important and to lay out that case that it's important to our innovation, that it's important to our national security, that, that it is still critically important in states like Ohio and, and in Michigan uh, that have a larger percentage of their economy uh, in manufacturing um, as well. And so all, for all of those reasons, I was, I was really pleased, uh, really pleased to hear it. I do think that some of those ideas could actually attract uh, bipartisan support, and in particular support for vocational education, uh, support for, uh, for, for more research and development. Uh, but the key thing, Leslie, and, and I, I just want to point this out, that if you don't deal with the trade, the trade piece of it, yes. all of the other things you do aren't going to make a difference. Uh, and uh, so no, that's key. Right, absolutely. And like you said, let's talk a little bit more about Hillary. She reiterated her opposition to the Trans-Pacific Partnership. She proposed letting the federal government take back tax incentive money from companies that move jobs overseas and incentivizing profit sharing. But she also spoke about the need for corporate patriotism. And the word corporate puts a lot of people off, especially on the left and especially Bernie Sanders supporters. Um, so I, I was wondering, you know, you guys at AAM, your take on the corporate patriotism remark that she has, and then we'll go to Bernie and some of the Republicans. I think it's very powerful because I mean, we, I, I'm pleased we work in a labor business partnership, but our, our companies are very dedicated to keeping their jobs in the United, keeping their jobs in the United States, and work very hard to do this and face a lot of competition from China. But, but I think that's right. When you look at these companies like Carrier or General Electric uh, that have been outsourcing, and, and they say, well, we don't have a, you know, we owe it to our shareholders. We don't owe anything to America. It's like, well, we gave you your trained workforce. We gave you your, your, your clear shipping lanes. 
uh, we gave you a business environment uh, in which that you you know you you guaranteed you you knew what was going to happen next. There was you know no bribery. There was a lot of certainty. Uh, we we protect your intellectual property, uh, and so there's a value to all of that. And so for companies just to walk up and leave, not to mention the tax incentives. Uh, yeah, that that is you know in a lot of ways uh, th- that's not following. Uh, the market necessarily because they're getting incentives wherever they're going, uh, and and I'm glad that she raised that because I think that there has to be more of that. And believe me, when you're in other countries like Brazil or Germany, you feel that pressure directly from a, from a country's leadership, uh, and it's only here in America, really, I think, where you don't feel it. And I'm glad she mentioned that because I think that these companies should feel that kind of uh, pressure uh, to to keep their jobs here, if at all possible. Let's take some calls. In Ithaca, New York, Helen joins us online, too, listening on WNYY 1470 AM, our affiliate there in Ithaca. Helen, good afternoon. Question or comment for Scott Paul? Yeah, good afternoon. Well, speaking of jobs, I think he has job security because American manufacturing is in a big mess. (laughs) And we need, it needs, the problems have to be attacked on multiple fronts. I'm sure he's more aware of this than I am. But, um, First of all, we need to bring back tariffs, you know, so that people should be, there should be some kind of, um, you know, encouragement to purchase American products rather than those that are manufactured in Vietnam, China, wherever, you know. Another thing is we don't have, we're not training people anymore. I, I read somewhere, uh, probably, I don't know, New York Times, I mean, somewhere, I don't know, um, that the average age of a, of a uh, factory worker now is like 56 or 57. It's like we don't ha- we're not training young people to do these jobs. It's like we've just completely sold out manufacturing, and that's really really a shame. It's really bad. <laughs> and um, I myself have had a lot of jobs in my life. I, I that's one thing I haven't done yet. I haven't worked in a factory. Maybe I should do that just to see what it's like. Well, uh, Helen, you bring up some very good comments. Uh, appreciate that. Scott, uh, to Helen's point. Yeah, Helen, I, I, Helen raised a, 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 a great point uh, about uh, the age of the manufacturing workforce, and it's true. When you look around a lot of factories, there's, there's a lot of a lot of men and women in their in their late 50s and 60s, and and you look at our schools today, and are they training people for manufacturing careers? And the answer is not enough of them are. There haven't been a lot of manufacturing jobs around, but you have the the boomers kind of retiring out, and and you're going to have a need to do that again. I do think that the, I, I'm glad the, the this administration, the Obama administration, recognizes that and is started down the path of of, 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 of renewing apprenticeships and vocational training uh, and uh, uh, community college uh, opportunities. And so I, I'm encouraged about that. But, but again, I think she's right about this, this idea of, of buying American uh, and asserting our trade rights. And if other countries aren't living up to their end of the deal, whether it's looking out for their own workers or not subsidizing their industries uh, or not letting our products into their market, we've got to stand up for our rights. We shouldn't roll over. And unfortunately, that's what we did for the eight years of the Bush administration uh, and for too much of the Obama administration uh, on this. And so it, it is. we need that kind of uh, assertive rights on trade. And it's not going to mean a trade war. It means we're going to have more balance and that we'll have more jobs here. Right, and Scott, I'm glad that you pointed that out, and Helen as well. That you know, we can we can push 
and move politicians' hands, not just by our votes, but once they're elected, by keeping them on their toes, because as consumers, we have the power to offset the import-export. We don't have the power to, um, you, know, uh, you know, to force uh, China, we as voters, I mean, the politicians and the bureaucrats do, uh, to force China's hands with regard uh, to stopping the currency manipulation, and certainly politicians you know, have to vote for or against uh, trade deals, and especially when they're bad trade deals like TPP. But we have the power of our wallets and pocketbooks, our purses, when we purchase goods. And if we stopped buying things made in China, China might start listening to the demands made by other countries that the United States should be making more of. Let's take a break. We'll be back with Scott Paul from the AAM. And you, if you want to join us, one more segment after this break, 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Follow me on Twitter, at Leslie Marshall. I see some tweets here that I'm going to share. And also, you want to be sure to follow Scott. And you want to check out their website. To follow Scott, simply go to Twitter. Follow him there at Scott Paul AAM. And the website is AmericanManufacturing.org. Back after this. Leslie Marshall, Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, joins us in this hour. We're talking trade, we're talking the candidates, and we're talking what's important to the voter, the middle class and the majority, and the majority of voters in the middle class, um, and certainly beneath the middle class, lower middle income, care about the economy and care about jobs. Scott, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Let's take some more calls. And we go next to... Uh, let's go next to Dayton, Ohio, on line one. Mike, listening on TuneIn. Mike, good afternoon. Question or comment for Scott? Yeah, hey, Scott. I was just listening to Pat Buchanan's book, you know, The Death of a Superpower by 2025. Have you listened to that? Yeah, I, I, I haven't read that book specifically, Mike, but I, I know uh, I, I've certainly heard Mr. Buchanan. I've met him before and know his views on, on trade and manufacturing particularly well, yeah. Yeah, it was just really shocking. I think he said that America has like a 500, 557 trillion trade deficit. I mean, well, I it's just... Think, I don't think it's a... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, isn't it approximately $577 trillion in debt? That's not the equivalent of the trade deficit. The debt comprises more than just trade. Yeah, right. I mean, it's a, you know, our annual trade deficit in in, in goods is... You know, is 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 north of six hundred billion dollars a year, and so yeah, all of all of that adds up. Um, I mean, it's not a, you, you know, the the national debt, which is the you know the, the the national debt clock, which which runs into the trillions, is 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 public debt. Uh, this this is a debt that we pay for in other ways, either outflows of of uh, people or money or or what what have you like that. But it's a no, it's a big problem, and and I mean, I'm glad. I, I that um, uh, Pat Buchanan, you know, the fact that Pat Buchanan, Bernie Sanders, 
you know, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, a lot of folks are, are talking about this, me- means that there, there were a lot of Americans out there uh, who have real concerns about the direction that our country has had uh, and about the impact of our p- of trade policy, no doubt about it. All right, Mike, I uh, appreciate that. Um, the, and, uh, the, there are definitely economic forces that are driving this year's nomination contest, um, and these are forces that have been at work uh, for decades. Um, why do you think the dam on this has broken now? I mean, you know, the number of manufacturing jobs dropped by 36% from 19.3 million in 1979 to 12.3 million in 2005, yet we've had a population increase by 43% from 225 million to 321 million. So is, is that it? We have, you know, more, again, a deficit there, only a job deficit, a ratio deficit between the growing population who need jobs and, you know, the lack of jobs available out there, especially in manufacturing for middle-class workers? Uh, That's a really good question, and I I suppose historians will look back at, like, what was the defining moment that kind of caused this at least temporary, I don't know how permanent, but at least temporary political eruption right now. And was it the fact that, you know, we're now, you know, six years past the recession and some people are start, certainly doing better. The stock market's doing better. Wall Street's doing absolutely fabulous. You know, Washington, uh, people here are doing great. Um, but there's this real disconnect, and folks keep falling out of the middle class, and it's harder to make wage gains. And, and to the extent that you want to keep your standard of living, you need to borrow a lot. And, and housing costs are going up, and the cost of college is going up. And so, you know, at a certain point, uh, there's a you know, you know there's an explosion of anger or a frustration, and I think that part of that is it, it has been manifested in again on the right uh, Donald Trump and on the left Bernie Sanders. Um, and then the question is: Is the establishment going to try to explain it away, or is the establishment going to come to the table and have a serious conversation about how we can rebuild the middle class in this country, how we can have? better economic policies, including trade policies, uh, that are more inclusive and allow more folks to achieve the American dream. And I think that's a much better conversation to have than scapegoating uh, immigrants or certain types of, 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 peop- of people with religious beliefs. Uh, but having this, this conversation about economic policy, I think, is really important to the future of our country. And uh, so were you guys at uh, the AAM. I mean, the Keep It Made in America town hall meetings, the presidential candidates' forums on manufacturing. Um, you guys at AAM do keep it a top-of-mind issue. And I think, Scott, just looking at the support for, you know, outsiders, people banging the drum about income inequality, about jobs and trades like Trump and, and, and Bernie, uh, is a testament to AAM's work. <laughs>